making judgments versus judging souls. That's a distinction. That's a very important distinction that Dr. Edward Sree makes in his book, Who Am I to Judge? Dr. Sree's last name is spelled S-R-I. Problem is, not enough other people in the world today are making this very important distinction. Consequently, in the year 2017, if you dare to point out that somebody's action is wrong, that somebody's action is sinful, in most instances, you'll be accused immediately of, quote-unquote, judging that person. And if Christians are the ones doing the accusing, they will normally quote Jesus in this context, who once said, of course, the words, judge not, lest ye be judged. You might even be accused of hating the person in question simply because you've pointed out their sin and expressed your disapproval of what they've done. Dr. Sri would say that this kind of verbal exchange happens so often these days because many modern men and women have confused making judgments with judging souls. Judging souls is what we are forbidden to do. That's what Jesus meant. That's what Jesus was getting at when he said those words, judge not, lest ye be judged. To judge another person's soul is to pretend to know where they stand in their relationship with God. It's to imply that you know whether they're in the state of grace or in the state of mortal sin. It's to imply that you know whether they would go to heaven or hell if they died at this precise moment. But we can never know those things as human beings. We can never know those things because we're not God. As today's first reading reminds us, this is one of my favorite quotes from the Bible, only the Lord sees into the heart. Man sees the appearance, the Lord sees into the heart. Even if another person has done something that's objectively, mortally sinful, we can't know whether or not they are fully culpable for that action before God. As Dr. Sri says in his book, a soul's status before God is something between that person and God alone. Various factors in people's lives may impair their free choices in such a way that limits their culpability or moral guilt. As Pope Francis explains, each person's situation before God and their life in grace are mysteries which no one can fully know from without. Judging souls is forbidden. Making judgments, on the other hand, is a totally different story. Making judgments is something that we do all the time. We do it about moral matters, and we do it about pretty much everything else. Whether you realize it or not, you're even making judgments right now, during this homily. You're making a judgment whether you think it's good, or bad, or worse. <laughs> You'll make a judgment as to whether you think it's too long, whether you like it, whether it's boring, 
whether you agree with what I'm saying or not. And that's normal. That's human. That's to be expected. At this point, I should let you know, if you do make the judgment that my homily this morning is lousy, too long, incredibly boring, and that you agree with none of it, I promise I will not interpret that to mean that you hate me. <laughs> and yet, as Dr. Sri points out in his book, that's the logic that many people today follow. People who confuse making judgments with judging souls. They think you hate them if you make a judgment that a behavior they've engaged in is wrong or sinful. Don't believe me? Well then, just tell your friends at work or in school, tell them that homosexual acts are sinful and see what kind of response you get. In all likelihood, some of them at least will accuse you of hating gay people and judging them. Now, in reality, you may not have a hateful bone in your entire body, but that doesn't matter. You've made a judgment that something they've done is wrong, so you must hate them. Period. That's the logic. A couple of years ago, I was talking with a college student over at the rectory about this very issue. And I was trying to help this college student understand that you can vehemently disagree with somebody's behavior without hating the person. I was trying to do this, and I was getting nowhere. Finally, I said to him, look, let me ask you a question, one simple question. Do your parents love you? Oh, yes. I said, you're sure of that? He said, absolutely. Father Ray, you know my parents. You know they love me. He said, well, okay. Do your parents approve of everything that you do? He kind of gave me a little smile and said, well, no. He said, well, then your parents must hate you. You're telling me that Catholics hate gays because they disapprove of some of the things that gay people do. Well, according to that logic, your parents must hate you because they sometimes disapprove of some of the things that you do. I think that finally opened his eyes to reality, at least to some extent. I mention all this today because our readings this morning present us with an example of somebody making a judgment, as well as an example of a group of people judging a soul. Today's first reading, the prophet Samuel makes a judgment. Unfortunately, it ends up being the wrong judgment, but it's a judgment nonetheless. One day, God tells Samuel to go to the house of Jesse of Bethlehem in order to anoint one of his sons as the next king of Israel. So Samuel goes. And when he gets there, we're told that he's immediately met by Eliab, one of Jesse's eight sons. Now, we're not told much about this particular boy in the text, but I think it's pretty safe to assume that physically speaking, he was a very impressive character. Because when Samuel sees him, the first thing he does is make a judgment. He makes a judgment that this must be the one, the Lord's chosen. 
He was probably saying to himself, this has to be the guy. He even looks like a king. He has the air of kingliness about him. Of course, as so often happens, the Lord chooses the least likely candidate for the job, in this case, David. Man sees the appearance, God sees into the heart. Which brings us to today's gospel story about the healing of the man who had been blind from birth. Here we encounter an example of a group of people judging a soul. In the minds of first century Jews, there was a connection, a direct connection between sin and suffering. Consequently, if you were suffering with an infirmity like blindness, as this man was, that meant that either you or somebody very close to you must be guilty of committing a serious sin or a number of serious sins. Now, it's clear from the story, even the apostles believed this at the time. Because when they saw the man blind from birth, the first thing they asked Jesus was, whose sin caused this man's blindness? Was it his own sin, or was it the sin of his parents? They made a judgment. And as was the case with Samuel, the judgment was wrong. Jesus said to them, neither he nor his parents sinned. But the Pharisees took it one step further, and this was the real problem. They not only made the erroneous judgment that this man was blind because he had done something seriously sinful, they also, from all external indications at least, judged the man's soul. They pretended to know where this guy stood in his relationship with God, something which was impossible to know, as I indicated earlier. This attitude of judgment comes through most clearly in the last thing the Pharisees said to the man before they tossed him out of the synagogue. They said, you were born totally in sin, and you are trying to teach us. In other words, you're obviously somebody that God doesn't love, since he caused you to be born blind. As far as we're concerned, you're on your way to hell. So who are, who are you? to be giving us lectures. We're the chosen ones. We're the enlightened ones. We're the ones God loves. Making judgments, judging a soul. The first is okay to do, even when you're making judgments about my homilies. <laughs> the second is never okay to do, even when the person in question is considered to be a terrible sinner. Two principles to remember, my brothers and sisters, and even more importantly, two principles to try to live our lives by.